The reading this morning is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, from verses 17 to chapter 3, verse 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 17. But, brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly, I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So, when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labours might have been in vain. Thank you, Chris, very much. And uh, do keep that passage open. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and from verse 17. Now, John Stott was one of the uh, great and most influential Christian leaders of the 20th century. He built a, a, a global Christian ministry uh, on the basis of friendships. And it seems to me that John has just uh, been an excellent, excellent example. He would have been 100 now if he had lived this long. And uh, he, he has been one of those just extraordinarily influential leaders. And he's a wonderful example of that reading. And uh, so we're going to find out as we talk and as we look at these, uh, these verses from the end of chapter 2 into verse th- chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians, uh, we're going to be finding out about Christian ministry. But actually, underneath it all, and John Stott himself was a great example of this, Christian ministry and the Christian life are exactly the same thing. They're exactly the same thing because all Christian people are Christian ministers. So what we do and what we talk about and what we think about in terms of Christian ministry is actually what we do and what we think about and so on and in terms of thinking about the Christian life. So the first thing I want to just point out is, as it says on the screen there, the Christian life equals Christian ministry. We are talking about the same thing. And uh, just in case you're thinking, well, you know, this is something which is really, it's a bit, uh, we're just talking here about something which happened 2,000 years ago in a, in a fairly remote part of a tiny little place as it was then in the Mediterranean and, uh, uh, and a tiny little church and so on. And what's that got to do with me and us now? Well, we're going to see that the principles, the things that we see here about the Christian life and therefore the Christian ministry, <clears throat> we're going to see that those things apply to us every day, 
every moment of our lives as individual Christian believers. And also, if you're not a Christian, uh, this is uh, uh, helping us to understand and to see what it means to be a Christian, because the Christian life is also about Christian ministry. They are the same thing. Um, And, uh, of course, Christians never retire. It's not as if we do something until a certain age and then we stop. No, we're actually involved in, in serving the Lord Jesus and uh, we're involved as Christians and therefore in Christian ministry uh, until our last breath before glory. Um, so what is this Christian life about? What is Christian ministry about? Uh, what are we going to understand and what are we going to see here? What do we see illustrated as Paul is talking here about his real love and care and concern for the Thessalonians? Well, there are four things I want to point out this morning. And the first one is this, concerned love. Concerned love. Now, uh, imagine you have a daughter and she's 18. And uh, it's gap year time. And, and imagine it's one of those years when you could actually travel and travel abroad in your gap year. And she's traveling. Let's say she's traveling from Bangkok to Ho Chi Minh City in, in uh, Vietnam. So from Thailand to Vietnam. She's going overland and uh, she's on her own. Now, while she is sensible, uh, you've had no contact from her for four days. And you're thinking, well, mobile phone, phone coverage in that part of the world is maybe not the best and, uh, and all the rest of it. But it, all the same, you are desperate for news of your 18-year-old 18-year-old daughter because you love her. And because you love her, you're concerned. And every time your phone goes, you're desperate. You pick it up and you're, and you're longing to see her number on it. Well, that's the kind of feeling that just oozes out of this little passage that we're looking at this morning. And first of all, um, uh, Paul had only been in, in Thessalonica really quite a short time. Uh, three Sabbaths he was there for. So it could be just over two weeks, maybe four weeks, but we reckon it was probably just that short length of time. And there are, there are a tiny little group and baby Christians and he's really concerned for them because his visit was cut short by a Jewish mob and they had to kind of make a rather rapid exit for it. And he says here, um, that verse 17 there, but brothers and sisters, when we were orphans and the word there in the original is, is actually literally orphans. Uh, it's a, it's a Greek word. It's orphanism. It's the, it's the word from which we get our word orphan. Um, and he talks here about uh, uh, by being separated from you for a short time. Well, the word separated literally means torn away from you. We didn't want to leave, but we, we were torn away from you. Um, uh, it's a bit like if someone gives you a big bear hug from the back and they, and they link their fingers around your tummy kind of thing and they're holding you really tight. And the way to, uh, of course, the way to, to get them off is to pull one finger out and pull it backwards, isn't it? But it was, that, it was that kind of ripping someone away from them. And that is what had happened in that mob riot in Thessalonica when they, uh, uh, when they were torn away from them. And uh, and it seems here as if Paul is actually being criticized in some way for his departure. Then why couldn't they hang around and so on? Why they didn't stay very long, did they? And, and all the rest of it. Um, but he has this intense longing to see them. Brothers and sisters, verse 17, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time in person, not in thought, uh, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you uh, and then you look at uh, go on to chapter 3 and verse 1 and he says we could stand it no longer not knowing news about you and then he uses exactly the same phrase in the last verse of our little passage for this reason when I could stand it no longer in chapter 3 and verse 5 he loves them all right 
It's genuine, isn't it? It is absolutely clear. He has this love uh, in his heart for him. There's a concerned love. You can see it in verse 19. You can see it in verse 20. And, uh, uh, and looking of, in, um, in verse 19 there, um, and he says at the end of it, uh, in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes, is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. It's like you're a Leicester fan. Leicester, until 2021, had never won the FA Cup. And say you're a Leicester fan and you managed to be at Wembley uh, uh, just uh, a few weeks back when they won the FA Cup. And, uh, uh, and you stand there in the stands, socially distanced, we hope, and, uh, but with a lump in your throat and a, a tear in your eye as you applaud them on their lap of honour. Other versions for glory, uh, in verse 20 there, you are our glory and joy. Uh, other versions say, indeed, you are our boast and our joy. That's the kind of thinking, that, that, that's the relationship that's the, that he has with this church in Thessalonica. And, uh, but you may be thinking, well, frankly, that's okay for some. I mean, some people are expressive, some people kind of have this, this enthusiasm for other people and this joy bursting out of them and so on. I'm not quite the same. But there are two things here which actually help us to, 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 to see that the relationships, the friendships that we have with other Christians are really, really, really in, in, in uh, significant. And the first one is this. Uh, it's a parousia. I don't know if we've got this on the PowerPoint. No, we don't. We'll come back to that. Um, but it's, uh, it's a parousia. That's the posh word for saying Jesus' return. And uh, you have a look in chapter 2 and verse 19. For, w- for what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? And he's looking here ahead to the day when Jesus will return. And he's saying, look, in the context of that, Christian friendships, the friendships that we have with one another here, the friendships that we have with the folks who are at home and uh, who are seeking to keep safe and, and not to be with us this morning, for instance, those friendships are actually hugely significant because they're seen and developed in the light of eternity. And they will make a difference to eternity as we build one another up, as we take care of one another, as we encourage one another and help each other to keep on going. Eternity, the context of eternity is hugely significant and unique for our friendships, Christian and Christian. The second thing is, um, is our friendships must be built on good communication. And maybe you're not quite feeling uh, the the heart that we see here in Paul because um, we're not having the opportunity to communicate in that way. And uh, um, uh, so um, any relationship, we should be back there in um, concerned love. Um, Concerned love means um, that we actually want to communicate. And actually the best communication has got to be face-to-face, isn't it? And we're seeing that as we're, as we're gradually coming back to being here in the building. Um, it is difficult and frustrating because we can't sing, isn't it? But actually, the, the great delight and joy being able to talk to each other and to be able to see each other and, uh, you know, smile with your eyes in the building. And uh, when we go outside and sing our final song later on, to be able to talk to each other then. And uh, um, I, I want to say, why would you deliberately choose not to see your friends if it was safe to do so? Why would you deliberately choose not to see your friends if it's safe to do so? And we want to see one another. Friendship means seeing people. And it's not the same if we just do it on Zoom or whatever it would be. 
Communication is so important, and the best communication is face-to-face. But there are all sorts of other things as well, aren't there? So, for instance, when we were... I was a curate in Crowborough, and for many, many years, um, until this lady died, after we left Crowborough, she posted to us, with a stamp, and uh, uh, every week, the church notice sheet. So we could be kept in touch. So we knew, no one knew that she was doing it. But every week, she sent it off to us. Uh, uh, and uh, for a long time. And we just had the joy of keeping in touch with friends and, uh, you know, our, our Christian family uh, in Crowborough after we left. Um, but what it would be for, for us to communicate, how could we communicate a little bit better this week? You know, whether it's, uh, whether it's a text or an email or a phone call or popping in or do come around for coffee or something. I was just fixing up with a couple of people after our 8 o'clock service to see them this week or next week, just so that we could uh, have a chat, have a catch-up, see how you're doing, and that sort of thing. If you're friends with people... That's the kind of thing we do, isn't it? And uh, I, I long to be able to um, spend more time doing that um, uh, as time goes on. So concerned love, that's the first thing. That's the thing we see here. It's about the Christian life. It's about Christian ministry. We're Christians. We have a Christian ministry. And it's about simply a concerned love for each other. It's been concerned for each other now. It's been concerned for those who are going through difficult, hard times. For those who are, who are maybe struggling with this or that or whatever it would be. Some huge things people are struggling with. Of course, therefore, we pray. But we also want to be in touch. We want to communicate. And we rejoice in the support and the friendship and so on that we receive from other people as well, don't we, in the tough times. So that's the first thing. Um, the first thing about uh, this Christian life, this Christian ministry, it is uh, we see it here. It's characterized by concerned love. The second point is this. It's characterized by a spiritual battle, as we've been seeing with that video earlier on, as we've seen and heard and prayed about in our prayers. So, uh, for instance, in chapter 2 and verse 18, we wanted to come to you. Certainly I Paul did time again and again, but Satan blocked our way. Or in chapter 3 and verse 5, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you. And if you're a Christian, we just got to remember you're in the front line of a spiritual battle. The devil exists. He hates you. He means you harm. You know, if you go swimming... You will get wet, won't you? And if you wear a wetsuit, by definition, you get wet wearing a wetsuit. That's why it's called a wetsuit, for instance. Um, If you go swimming in whatever shape or form, you're going to get wet. If you're a Christian, you do have an enemy. The devil does does exist. He is real. Fact. And we're in a spiritual battle. We've got to see that. A guy called John White writing about this, he said this, uh, have no delusions. He was talking about demons, okay? Um, Same idea. Have no delusions about their reality or their hostility, but do not fear them. The God inside you terrifies them. They cannot touch you, let alone hurt you, but they can still seduce and they will try. But it might not be a full frontal assault. It might be far more gradual and far more subtle in the way the devil does this. So, for instance, C.S. Lewis, he wrote this brilliant book uh, called The Screwtape Letters. They're letters from a senior devil to a junior devil. And in one of those letters, we read this. Indeed, the safest road to hell is a gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. And in chapter 2 and verse 18, 
uh, it says Satan blocked our way. He stopped Paul somehow. We don't know how. Maybe he was ill. Maybe it was because of further riots. Maybe it was because there was a legal ban on traveling. We don't know. Um, but Satan blocked our way. Or literally, I like this, he dug up the road. That's what the original means. Satan dug up the road. I, I, I doubt it was roadworks were the problem. Um, but he, that's, uh, that's how, it's, how it's described. He dug up the road. So how do we stand firm? against the devil well we stand firm against the devil firstly by knowing that he exists firstly by acknowledging that he is there by recognizing his work by not being afraid to say for instance when the live stream went down on good friday morning 10 minutes before the service started on good friday of all days that just smells of sulfur we don't, we're not afraid of attributing things like that to the devil. And we stand against the devil by growing in our faith. Why did Paul want to see the church in Thessalonica? Why did Paul want to see them? Why did he want to, uh, end, or why did he end up sending Timothy? As he does in chapter 3 and verse 2, he said, we sent Timothy. But the answer there is in the rest of chapter 3 and verse 2, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ. And we sent him, why? To strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. These guys in Thessalonica, they were baby Christians. Probably very small. They've just been abandoned, some would say, uh, when there were all this, these, uh, these guys rioting, mob riot and so on. And, and uh, Paul and, and Silas, who, who had been there and, and, uh, uh, and had helped them be converted to, uh, to the Lord Jesus, and they disappeared. They'd gone off. And they needed to grow in their understanding. They needed to grow in what they, what not only how they understood, but how they were going to live as Christians. They needed to be strengthened and encouraged in the faith so they wouldn't be unsettled, knocked back by these tough times, by these bad situations, by the lies that were being told about Paul and co and all the rest of it. There's something very interesting at the end of verse 2 when it says to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. The word encourage is parakalosai. The word for the Holy Spirit in John's gospel is parakaleo in the Greek. One's a noun, one's a verb. So what, he, what he's saying here, you can almost say, uh, to strengthen and Holy Spirit you in your faith. In fact, you could say that. You could say, I've sent Timothy to strengthen and Holy Spirit you in your faith, to walk alongside there with you, to be the called alongside one with you, to strengthen you, to grow you, to help you in your faith. I think that's really, I think that's really encouraging. And the spiritual battle that we're in, we need to know that the devil is real and we need the help and the encouragement of the, of the Holy Spirit and the other sent ones, the ones who are alongside us, the people sitting next door to you, the people in the row in front of you and across the aisle and so on. We need one another to be strengthened, to stand firm and to be growing. And if we're going to stand in this spiritual battle, we've got to be growing. We've got to be growing. Uh, there'll be more about this next week. But uh, are you growing as a Christian? 
And you're making the most of these opportunities to grow. Tomorrow night, for instance, will be a great opportunity to understand the Bible better and therefore to grow as a Christian. Thursday, as we living, as we hear about God, sex, uh, identity, marriage, is another great opportunity to grow as Christians. Do sign up. Do come along. I know it's quite a big ask this week with these things on, but these are really important things. If we want to grow as Christians, we're going to be part of those meetings, aren't we? If we possibly can. I know there'll be other things happening and you probably think three things is all quite a lot and so on. But we want to take the opportunities uh, as we can. And Nick will be here for a further four Thursdays. He's coming four Thursdays. We didn't have a Lent course this year. This is a bit like our Lent course for this year. Uh, Obviously with uh, lockdown and so on, Lent courses are a bit tricky. Um, But we can do it in person here. So Christian life, Christian ministry is about concerned love, it's about a spiritual battle. And the third thing I want to point out is it's about a a personal sacrifice. Um, It's a tiny village near Nuremberg, 15th century. And the Dürer family had 18 children. That was hard work, wasn't it? 18 children. And... uh, um, uh, and his and the dad of the family was uh, a goldsmith, and to keep the food on the table, he was working really, really long days. And two of his children wanted to uh, pursue their talent for art, um, but there was no possibility their father was going to be able to to send them to Nuremberg to study. Um, but one of them could go, and so these two boys tossed a coin. The loser would go down and work in the mines. Said his brother would be able to go off to the academy. And then in four years' time, the idea was that they would swap places. So the one who was first at the academy would then go down the mines to support the one uh, who, had, who uh, was then going off to the academy. And, uh, and the two boys were called Albrecht and Albert. Albrecht won the toss and went to Nuremberg. Albert went down the mines for four years. Albrecht's etchings... Woodcuts and oils were just simply a sensation. And when he graduated, he was beginning to earn really quite significant fees for his works of art. And he, he, he returned home and they had a family dinner to celebrate his success. And then at the end of dinner, uh, Albrecht stood to toast his brother. And as part of his short speech before the toast, he said, uh, uh, Albert, now it is your turn. It is your turn to, uh, uh, to go to Nuremberg, and I will take care of you. And Albert was in tears. And he just looked down at the floor, and he shook his head, and he just said, no, 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 no. And in the end, he held up his hands, and he said, I cannot go. Look what four years down the mines has done to my hands. Every finger and both my thumbs has been broken at some point. I can no longer hold a pen or a pencil, let alone a paintbrush. For me, he said, it is too late. Too late. And 450 years later, many people now own engravings and portraits and sketches and watercolours by Albrecht Dürer. 
but the most famous by far is his drawing that he called hands. And those hands belong to his brother, Albert. It's quite a sacrifice. And in chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2, we read this. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, not such a big sacrifice, really, although some of the commentators say it was uh, was really significant. But I don't think it was that significant. But it was a sacrifice. We sent Timothy, who was our brother and co-worker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and Holy Spirit you in your faith. It was a sacrifice. Paul was left in Athens. Timothy makes the journey and Paul is left just waiting for the news. He'd much rather have gone himself, but Timothy went. And as Christian people, we are called to live sacrificially. We follow our Lord was who was in his own person the greatest sacrifice the world has ever seen. And so the Christian life is born in sacrifice and the Christian life is lived in sacrifice and the giving of ourselves to others. And it was uh, C.T. Studd, the cricketer, who said this, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. As he gave up his cricket career and headed for China with the gospel. Do you think life here is a bit too comfortable, really? I mean, uh, uh, when was the last time we could honestly say that we really sacrificed something for someone else? Um, it's quite difficult, isn't it? Now, I'm not saying, you know, what can I sacrifice for someone today? But uh, our whole world, our whole culture in which we live is, has become a culture, hasn't it? Where, uh, uh, where it's about our comfort and it's about me, me-ism, you could call it. And the idea of, uh, of a costly sacrifice, of any kind of sacrifice, is something which is not so regular and not so readily given, it seems to me, these days. But the Christian faith is one of sacrifice. It really is one of sacrifice. As we follow our Lord Jesus, who was the sacrifice. And what would we be willing to sacrifice? Would you be willing to uh, sacrifice a holiday? Or your car? Or your second car? Or some of your income? Or maybe your career, to cut it short, or whatever? Or your Albion season ticket, or your Sky Sub, or uh, that first you're working so hard for, or perhaps your children's first, or straight A's, or whatever it would be. Um, I think sending Timothy to Thessalonica was some kind of a sacrifice and maybe just little things maybe just missing lunch to go and pray somewhere or go and visit a friend or whatever sometimes it's just really difficult isn't it we've got someone coming to stay with us Uh, I don't know how long for actually he's coming for a little while Uh, Katie's brother Katie Bennett's brother actually and uh, uh, and when Anna uh, first said oh Nathan's coming on uh, on Sunday uh, I was uh, a little reluctant I know in my heart it is no sacrifice at all I know in my heart that but my mind says I was a little bit reluctant Uh, when I met Nathan again this morning I was delighted genuinely I can say delighted to see him it's not a sacrifice It really isn't. But sometimes it can feel that way. 
That's another of the devil's lies. Don't believe the lies of the devil. So, sacrifice. And, and uh, so, uh, the Christian life is all about concerned love, spiritual battle, personal sacrifice. And then this one. And uh, just briefly, I know the time's going on. Uh, definite persecution. Guaranteed. Um, I, I read just recently about a young Thai student starting uni, and there was a ceremony for everyone, the whole ten, all 10,000 of the students who were matriculating, going by group. So this young girl, 18, going off to uni for the first time in a group of uh, about 500. And they had to go to the city square, uh, and faculty by faculty, they would stand, turn to face the statue of the emperor, and bow down in worship. And this girl, 18, had just recently become a Christian, And of all the 500, she stood as they all bowed down in worship to the emperor or the statue of the emperor. And that year, she was the only student in her faculty of 500 who wasn't issued with a highly prized faculty jacket. I just wonder if you've been in the same situation. If I'd been in the same situation, um, would I have done that? We don't really know until we get to the situation, do we? But we do know that as Christian people, at some time, there will be opposition and persecution. Um, the end of verse 3, uh, you know quite well that we are destined for them. Those are trials and tribulations and so on. Uh, and the beginning of verse 4, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And John Calvin said, it is as though he had said that we are Christians on this condition tribulation tribulation so persecution is not just an optional extra no it's part of the part of the deal it's going to happen at some point we're in unusual times but if we're seeking to live and to grow and to follow jesus as we're going to be uh, following this through we know there will be opposition And we'll be here for each other in our friendships, in our concerned love for each other, in our support and in our helping one another to grow and to come alongside one another. We'll be here supporting and helping each other. And you know something? When our children were young and we used to uh, uh, go up to the Lake District, uh, inevitably, uh, on holiday, we would start with the lower mountains at the beginning of the week. And we'd end up with doing Scarfell Pike or whatever towards the end of the week because you do the little ones first, your legs get a bit stronger, you get a little bit fitter, and it's easier to do the big, big ones later on. Same principle when it comes to standing up to the, uh, <coughs> the temptations of the devil, when it, extend, when it comes to standing up against persecutions and trials and difficulties. If you can, uh, if you can stand up and stand firm in the little things, then it will help you to stand up and stand firm in the big things later on. So pray that you'll be able to stand firm with the little things, the minor things, the little difficulties and so on this week. The people who make the odd comment, the uh, difficulties at work where you really need to stand firm for Jesus, but sometimes it's a tr- struggle to do so. Let's pray that we'd stand firm in the little things and then we'd be able to stand firm with the big things later on. Time is up. Uh, the Christian life, Christian ministry, we're all Christian ministers. If you're a Christian, you're a minister. That means we all have that role to play, that responsibility, concerned love, spiritual battle, personal sacrifice, and some definite persecution. Let's pray. Father, please help us to uh, live for you, to live for Jesus. Help us to love each other 
Help us to recognize this spiritual battle we're in, to be prepared to make those sacrifices when we need to. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to stand firm when the going gets tough. For Jesus' sake. Amen.